Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Daily Objective. Today, it's me and Daniel. How's it going, Daniel? Uh, it's all right, you know. <laughs> Very good. Okay. So today, we're going to be talking a little bit about the strikes which have been going on in the north of Israel and in Le and in the south of Lebanon. Uh, particularly, we're going to be focusing on Hezbollah, and we're going to be talking a bit about, as our title suggests, when Israel is going to kind of take this threat a bit more seriously. So uh, just to introduce it, uh, since the, the conflict has broken out on 10-7, um, there's been a continuing, I guess you'd say, skirmish rather than war going on in the northern border. Um, it started off with some mortar strikes coming in from Hezbollah, to which the Israelis would respond with helicopters and so on, and it's kind of escalated um, a bit. So when people talk about, you know, they're kind of worrying that the war will, <laughs> won't escalate, in a sense it already did, and it did very early on, and it did with Hezbollah, who are a much more serious threat to Israel, really, in terms of military strength than Hamas is, although naturally this war is focusing much more on Gaza and is focusing on Hamas. Um, but in recent days, there's been increasing strikes from Hezbollah, which has prompted in, um, hellfire, as it was reported in the news, uh, against them, but from the Israelis. So we're going to focus on this a little bit. So, uh, Daniel, why don't you kind of introduce it a bit more for us? Uh, yeah, I think w when it comes to specifically why Israel has to respond and should have responded already much stronger is the fact of what was supposed to happen. Uh, basically, Hezbollah attacked Israel, I, I believe it was right on October 8th, but Israel has intel that Hezbollah was supposed to be part of the October 7 attacks. Hamas and Hezbollah were in talks about basically attacking them together. The only reason why it didn't happen is uh, they there was uh, either miscommunication or they didn't completely agree on when it was supposed to happen. So when Hamas attacked before Hezbollah could fully get ready, U.S. of course uh, sent sent the aircraft carrier, and that to at least larger than scared off Hezbollah. I mean they still did attack, but they didn't do a full scale war. I mean people in Lebanon expected the leader of Hezbollah basically to come out and join Hamas in the war, but he came out and basically said, this is this is Hamas's war. Uh, this is not our war. Uh, so that, I, I think that's the biggest reason why Israel needs to respond or it's just waiting for basically another October 7th, but from the Hezbollah side or some kind of variation of it basically to happen. Uh, yeah, and I guess so, the, and that's a, a story that we covered on the podcast. I think a few weeks ago. So, as you say, Hezbollah should have been involved, and basically weren't by mere accident. And <clears throat> that story showcases not just the importance of the of the U.S. in this and the the kind of show of force and how that really can have an effect. But you know, it's a it's a chilling thing to wonder about, really. If on October seventh, not only had Israel suffered this kind of incursion or invasion, whatever, from Gaza, but if Hezbollah, which is, which as I mentioned, is a much more heavily armed and significant force, invaded from the north at the same time and caught Israel off guard. The number of people who died on October seventh could have been so so much larger, and I Israel mean, would. Yeah, just mm -hmm. quickly, just think about it. Just the October seven attack from much weaker Hamas uh, costed Israel what is more than thousand lives, hundreds yeah. of hostages. Uh, I mean, I, I talked to Razi a bit before the show, and he basically his uh, what he thought is if Hez Hezbollah was fully involved, basically northern Israel would 
basically still be occupied by Hezbollah. Israel, he doesn't think Israel would be able to take it back yet. And uh, yeah. uh, I'll let you go because we were still talking, but just one more point I would make is it's important to, because, uh, you know, you might think, well, it's they are just not attacking, you know, what's the big deal? But all of northern Israel is currently basically evacuated. The civilians are evacuated. Evacuated, almost hundred thousand Israelis basically are, are are not at their home. Are basically wage waiting for Israel to do something. I mean, when are they gonna go back? When is Israel planning to send them back? Unless something is done about Hezbollah. Yeah. And this is, I guess, a consideration needs to be is just how strong is the IDF? Because in the early days of the war, the IDF didn't respond on the ground. It did respond by air, but it could kind of get away with this time it needed to prepare, it seems, to go into the ground incursion. Now, it didn't really because it suffered for it, but it's not like it suffered a continued invasion from the ground by Hamas, right? It could, so it could get away with it on that level. But if the attack had come from Hezbollah, by ground in the north, then as you say, they may well have just lost a huge chunk of the country. Um, if they really needed all that time to to get their troops in order and to get them supplied and whatever, then they would have been completely just caught with their pants down. And what on earth would they have done? So it's a it's a situation that really doesn't bear thinking about. Well, well except you have to think about it, but you see what I mean. It, it's awful to imagine. And <clears throat> this is an area where we butt up against the the limits of my knowledge in a sense in that how strong is the IDF really? If Hezbollah really threw itself in and got involved properly, could the IDF see them off? At least now that the IDF seems to be at you know full strength, so to speak, could it do it? Would it need to draft more soldiers? Would it need more planes, bombs, tanks, whatever? And I simply don't know. I really hope they could because it would seem incumbent on Israel. And we had... Um, we had um, Gilad on a few months ago talking about Israel's kind of defense strategy and Israel needs in a sense to have as part of its strategy a kind of um, what is it is it a two power standard it needs to have a military strong enough to fight off multiple militaries at once as it has done in its history and if the IDF at the moment isn't strong enough to do that they're in a really bad situation and not so hopefully the way that this is going to go is that as terrible as it is with all these people evacuated they're going to just kind of be fending off um, Hezbollah, as they've been doing in the north, whilst they focus on Hamas and Gaza, and then they're going to turn around and go up north, and then they're going to need to sort that out. Um, now, I'm I'm not holding my breath that that's what they're going to do, but with how it's going at the moment, that's probably the best case situation. Um, but if not, then they've just got this enemy brooding on the northern border, who's stronger and who is kind of just has just as much appetite to do it as Hamas do. And if they don't deal with this, as with all of their other problems, then they're just brewing up problems for the long term. And the, and these aren't just problems like we brew up in the West that which are causing real but bad consequences, like kind of economic consequences that we just try not to think about. This is going to be real military response that they have to deal with. So they really can't afford in a real existential way to just plug their fingers in their ears and hope this problem goes away. Yeah, I mean, so they're not completely passive in the north i mean i think this news came out just like an hour ago uh, apparently a high official military official in hezbollah was killed in an overnight strike with hezbollah basically warning israel that it's gonna pay a heavy price and has retaliated with uh some rockets from their side 
but yeah, this is what is keep happening. This sort of tit for tat, uh, you know, both sides and a couple things. Well, nothing really happens. Uh, I yeah, it's 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 a skirmish so far. It's not it's not like a real war. And if if it's because the IDF is too weak to do both at once, then I guess that's understandable. Although that's a bad state of affairs to be in, but. Hezbollah's shown like there needs to be a real war to root them out, just as there is with Hamas. Um, I don't really, I don't like you know, sense baying for another war. But given their intentions and their actions, they need to be taken very, very seriously. And and what are they going to do? But sorry, I I cut you off. Uh, well, I was. Uh, you can finish because I I was about to go a little bit into the history. So, well, now let's do that then, because uh, I think it's it's interesting to get some of the history because I think. Something we sometimes underappreciate is that people in the West really, I think, don't know a lot about the the actors involved in this conflict. So I think, you know, they hear the name Hezbollah, but basically that's just a kind of vague abstraction in their mind. So let's go into the history a bit then. So who are Hezbollah? Uh, well, just funny thing about that is if you want to get more educated than like 99% of the people about pretty much anything, usually Wikipedia is probably like your best thing. <laughs> you can get like... Uh, you know, a lot of times it's might be a bit of a surface level knowledge, but oftentimes it's more than enough to basically have so much more knowledge about any given situation than uh, mm -hmm. than anyone. Uh, but yeah, when we compare, uh, so Hezbollah was founded in uh, 1982, pretty much around the time when we, we can talk a little bit about this. Uh, have you heard about the Beirut barracks bombings? Yes. Uh, basically, that was during the Reagan presidency when two suicide bombers uh, in Lebanon basically attacked, uh, was it a U.S. base or? It was something. That, I mean, when I say I've heard about them, I've, I'm also showing my ears. I've heard about them. I don't know very much about them. Uh, let's say U.S. base. I'm a, or, or but yeah, I think it was because barracks. It, it was some kind of U.S. base, uh, mm -hmm. basically killing, uh, what was it, more than? 250 US military and 50 French military. And, you know, shortly after that, Hezbollah was founded. But what was supposed to happen then is some serious, uh, you know, retaliation from the US side. But basically, what happened, uh, and I said that it was during the Reagan presidency, he just pretty much shrugged it off and walked away. Uh, one interesting thing about, and, and again, I saw this on the Wikipedia page, apparently this attack was the biggest loss of life on the US, uh, in the US Marine Corps since the Iwo Jima uh, mm. attacks, basically when, uh, when US was doing a very heavy war, basically jumping, uh, jumping the Japanese islands so they could get closer to the mainland. Uh, and, you know, uh, I think Razi made the joke, imagine if they shrugged it off then, well, we lost a lot of people at Iwo Jima, let's go back home. No, you go in stronger, and you go in so stronger that you completely you know, destroy the whole system. Um, so, yeah. Uh, anything you want to say on that? Well, just, so I guess generally, although I, you know, I don't know much detail about the Beirut barracks bombing, um, basically what you get in the 1980s are groups of military or paramilitary um, Islamist organizations popping up 
who are consciously modeling themselves after the 1979 Iranian revolution. And so that's something that Hamas does later in the decade, but that's something that Hezbollah is doing early on. So Hezbollah literally means something like the party of God or something like that. So it's it's religious explicitly and is explicitly linked with um, with the Ayatollah Khomeini as well. Yeah, so, the <clears throat> Iranian uh, Ayatollah, I believe, is considered like a spiritual leader of Hezbollah, basically. Uh, yeah. But yeah, again, when it comes to... Uh, especially when you think about today's conflict and basically the problem Israel has, what you have to think about is, you know, nothing happens in a vacuum. And oftentimes you get into really bad situation because you didn't do anything beforehand. Uh, it's not like Hamas, th this is the first time Hamas attacked Israel uh, or it, it, it's neither the time the first time uh, Hezbollah attacked Israel. It's not even the first time Israel was at war with basically Lebanon. Uh, there was the 2006 Lebanese war when Israel had a chance to do something about Hezbollah, but it did basically what it did every other time when Hamas attacked uh, Israel. Basically, they maybe went in, or more likely they just did some small-scale attack and you know basically walked away after that, did some hostage negotiations, and yeah, basically waited until something like October 7th happens. Yes. Uh, so I think what October 7th has shown the West, I mean, well, could show the West if they were willing to pay attention to it. And I think it's really a minority of people who realize this is the importance of retaliating to warlike actions in effect. So when an enemy treats you with force, the necessity of being very strong in your reaction and <clears throat> the people who i think could learn from this would probably hear me say that and think yeah of course we do that and so I, and the people who i have in mind are kind of mainstream politicians so if i just said that as i said it there they would think yes i agree with that but basically what that would amount to in their minds i think is taking some kind of action some proportional amount of of reaction enough that it seems like you've you've made a display of strength but not gone all the way and actually eliminated the threat so if you look at israel's previous incursion or previous responses to attacks by Hamas, whether it's in 2021 or whichever one you want to pick, there is a definite response there, but it isn't the, the objective. They didn't achieve the objective they're currently trying to achieve, which is the destruction of Hamas, which is what needed to have happened every on every single other time the conflict broke out. And this kind of mindset that I think most politicians are in, which is that you take some action, but you don't want to be too destructive. You don't want to go kind of all the way is what leads to the continuation of these conflicts. And so whether it's with Hezbollah, whether it's with Hamas, whether it's with some other group that pops up in the next few years, whatever, you have to be very decisive in your response. And in a sense, you, sh you shouldn't need October 7th to tell you that that's that's kind of something which should be received wisdom anyway but clearly there's a way that people get into thinking about it and i now have a politician in mind who i heard speaking about this of, of kind of like a trade-off mentality so oh so israel needs to show some strength in responding to this to show that it needs to be taken seriously and it can't just be attacked but then on the other hand it doesn't want to go overboard and kill too many innocent people and so on and so forth and when you get into that kind of trade-off mentality then what you're actually trading off against each other is israel's long-term security and stability and then the lives of people in another country in effect and that's a really disastrous mindset for a politician from the country that's been that is the victim basically that is the country that's been attacked to be in.
Yeah, I mean, one thing we definitely should have, and I have kind of two points to make. One thing we definitely should have ha uh, learned, at least after the Second World War, is appeasement never really works because it, it's never, I mean, when it comes to dictators or when it comes to people who want to kill you, who want to completely get rid of you, who basically want to genocide you, there is no appeasement. It's only going to help them. I mean, you could try whatever you want. It's always going to continue. And something that's the another point, something that is really, uh, I'm not sure if said is the right word, uh, but unfortunate is the only time when countries, and we could even see it in the history of Israel, actually do respond fully is when they are actually at the ex when there is actual existential threat to basically the whole existence of Israel. So we can think about the basically founding of Israel in in 1948 you could say or later in the 60 what is it 68 war 67 war 67 uh, 67 uh when it was uh, when Israel was actually at an existential threat it did respond incredibly well and and mm -hmm. very quickly and very much demonstrably showed its strength and showed basically that it's you cannot mess with it because it will defend itself and you know especially I, and people always talk about the you know iron dome because israel can well defend itself with the iron dome it they don't really have the same existential threat to it and something like october 7th which you know w was bad uh but it wasn't as bad as you know some events of the past were uh because of that israel again didn't respond as strongly as it had to yeah excuse me if you can hear my flatmate in the background singing wicked i've just asked them to be quiet <laughs> um yeah no i completely agree um, are there any more points you want to go into on the history of Hezbollah, though, just to to tell people a bit more about that? Because I think uh, it's it's useful to people to have this kind of stuff in mind. Well, let me quickly thank the super chatters. So, uh, thank you, Gail. Thank you, Bonnie, and thank you, Frank. Frank is asking, did Hezbollah cause the giant explosion in Lebanon? No. Uh, is there uh, something specific? Yes. Do you do you not remember this when this happened in twenty twenty one? No. It's a crazy video, so you should you should go watch it. Um, again, I have a friend who lives in Beirut called Chris, uh, who's a really lovely guy, and I had a phone call with him briefly after this happened. And so, basically, what happened, if I remember correctly, with that, is there was a there was on the docks there was a kind of um, <clears throat> some storage containers, which contained it was something like chemicals or something, and they were stored in such a bad way, and there was such a kind of um, confluence of circumstances that in the video you can see it start to ignite and it's almost like a kind of cloud of chemicals in the air and almost like electricity is sparking between them and the explosion which it provokes is enormous absolutely unbelievably large um i can't remember and the streets of beirut are basically completely devastated when this goes off particularly the ones nearby uh, but no, so far as I'm aware hezbollah wasn't involved it's important to keep in mind that unlike for gaza Hezbollah isn't actually the official state 
uh, kind of or the government of Lebanon. Although some people sometimes refer to Hezbollah as being a state within a state because it's so kind of influential that the Lebanese government is a distinct official organization. So Hezbollah, even if the government were in some way to have incompetently caused this, which I don't think is quite the case from what I remember, uh, there's no reason particularly for me to assume that Hezbollah would have been involved. Are you looking up the video of the yeah, explosion? Yeah, and now I'm uh, now that I looked it up, I, I I think I do recognize it. I think I remember at least seeing it. Uh, but yeah, at least Wikipedia doesn't say Hezbollah caused it, so I'm gonna <laughs> go with that. Um, what did I? Oh yeah, so you were talking about Hezbollah within the government. Uh, yeah. So basically, Hezbollah is a political party which has an army wing. It is way it's similar to Hamas. Yeah. Uh, sorry, someone walked in. Uh, it, it is similar to Hamas, but yeah, as you said, it, it is not actually the official government, but it has pretty much complete control over southern Lebanon. That's where it basically sends its uh, sends rockets from. Uh, yeah. One thing, one thing to maybe even point out while we we're talking about it, when it comes to Houthis, it's similar to Houthis. Houthis are not the official government in Yemen uh, because Yemen is currently in a civil war but uh, uh, Houthis control large area in Yemen specifically in the west where they again can attack the shipping lines yes that's true all, pretty much all of these groups if they aren't the government they aspire to be the government um, Chris rather charmingly described to you once how the Lebanese government works which is that there's a president who's really old and he sleeps a lot and everyone else sort of stabs people in the back and do th does things uh, so that's uh, a, that's an that's an image of Lebanese politics for you yeah l let me just quickly point out because I might have uh, and while I was saying it I, I was definitely caught I wasn't expressing myself that well because uh, uh, Rito is saying can't believe Daniel said October 7 wasn't that bad uh, for how awful it was, definitely not the worst to happen, hence Israel response in Gaza and not attacking Iran or others, for instance. Uh, did you say it wasn't that bad? I didn't catch that if I, you did. Yeah, I, I think I did say it. I basically... Uh, I'm trying to express myself. It, it, it was a horrible tragedy. I'm not, like, trying to put down. But basically, I... From Israel's perspective, and when comparing it to, let's say, the 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 48 or the 67 it wasn't like existential threat to israel uh and i think that's why or i'm suspecting that might be one reason why israel is lacking in the response mm -hmm. that's interesting i guess i see what you mean in the sense that it was a it was more resembling a kind of terrorist attack than the total downfall of the Israeli state in this, it was quite haphazard and, and so on compared to uh, times when multiple nations have, in, have, in, have invaded Israel. I think that, yeah, there is a kind of distinction, but, but then the point that I guess we were making was that imagine if Hezbollah had been involved, in which case it would have resembled much more those previous conflicts and, and then just imagine how, how much worse even it would have ended up being. Yeah. It, would definitely be something interesting to see, especially coming from the international community, because Israel did have a chance to do a did have small window to basically do like a big action when it basically would have at least some of the international community behind it. But basically, the longer it waits, the more uh, sort of 
allies or sympathy it's losing. Yes, well, and we see that very much now. Unfortunately, we've spoken a few times on the show about David Cameron and how he has behaved since he stepped into the role of the UK Foreign Secretary. And although, so since he once he became Foreign Secretary, he sort of started upping the pressure on Israel. He's very much upped it in in recent days. He's not only said these things about the Palestinian state, but he's he's openly criticizing Israel in the press basically um he's not just making the kind of half snap not well not snide but the the suggestive kind of comments that western leaders normally make he's kind of stepping up with open criticism in a way that's that's really going to harm israel particularly since biden is kind of um speaking in unison and probably given the authority probably more he's speaking in unison with biden and so the uk and the us who are some of israel's major allies particularly the us doing this is really yeah it's really going to undermine them. And as we say, the longer this ticks on, the only we can only expect that to increase even more. All right. Should we wrap up? (laughs) No, sure. Unless do we have any other super chats or comments or anything like that? Uh, No. Although now El Rito is saying, of course, you're not downplaying it. October 7th was not an existential threat. So I don't know what's like alignment of El Rito because I feel like (laughs) if he's, you know, if he is maybe from the Palestinian side, if he's saying it's not an existential threat, I feel like he is now downplaying it. So I, <laughs> you know, I just want to make sure we're like uh, clear no, think... on the tragedy <laughs> it was. And basically, yeah, it was never supposed to happen. And it could have been prevented many times a long time ago. Yes. And, and I guess that is bringing it back around to the main kind of point we're making. Um the more the degree to which Israel doesn't respond decisively to any of these incidents in its past is the degree to which it stores up more of these events for its future. And that's basically, I think, the main reason why it needs to act so decisively now. Um, because, because in a sense, as you say, um, although I, you don't want to compare it, some of the responses from some of the attacks Israel has suffered from the past have in a sense been larger in scale with with nations invading them and there's never been like a single day and mainly because it wasn't as bad in the past mainly because israel was able to oftentimes prevent it uh it Mm. didn't wait until i mean especially with the six table it didn't wait until some tragedy was going to happen it knew that it knew something is going to happen and did everything to basically prevent it so yes uh, and basically, similar thing had to have happened. I mean, they they must have knew something like October seven at some point was going to happen. Maybe they don't know at what day, but it, it definitely was going to. And the longer you wait, the, the harsher it's going to be, and the you know even more surprising it's going to be. Yeah. Well, the thing that we that we know is that the, with with the story about Hezbollah's uh, involvement was that this was being planned ever since the you know the ceasefire in 2021 and that Yahya Sinwar, who was released by Israel in 2021, w- was heading this up. So we we know that that it's been going on. Um, there was the story a few weeks ago about I think it was some female IDF soldiers on the border or something who were trying to warn the higher ups, who were ignored. Um, but as you say, even these soldiers shouldn't have had to have been warning the, the, their higher-ups that this was going to happen. It's something that should be 
should be entirely expected and in a sense probably was and there was just in a sense a kind of negligence um which is where the real criticism deserves to be but uh anyway we should probably wrap up because the reality show is starting in a few minutes let me just quickly say thank you jonathan for your super chat cool fantastic how much was it uh 199 dollars very good okay thank you jonathan but all right everybody uh the reality uh, show let start me just quickly because we have a, uh, and i'll wrap it up uh bonnie is asking in the member chat wish i knew more if hezbollah was totally separate from lebanese army and is there a civil war in lebanon uh as far as i'm aware uh basically hezbollah is part of the government it's not in the civil war but also hezbollah has its own like military it's like a militant group so it's basically controlling the southern Lebanon. But as far as I'm aware, there is no like actual like uh, hostilities between Hezbollah. Like I said, Hezbollah is actually in the government. It is not the government as Hamas is a de facto government in Gaza. Uh, but yeah, I think I... Yeah, there's a, that phrase state within a state is how people commonly describe Hezbollah. Um, but the the president is distinct from um like like Hezbollah has a has a political party and they said in the parliament, but they're not the gov the executive itself, as I understand it. All right. Uh let me wrap this up. We have the reality show coming up in about ten seconds. Let me just quickly give you guys a YouTube link. And we'll see everyone there, and we'll see also Morgan there in just a couple of seconds. Thank you, everyone. Cool. Thank you, Morgan, and bye-bye. See you later.